Hey guys, I've got another great interview for you today. We are going deep into money, sales, and abundance. So today I'm talking with my guest, Sean Quintero, also known as Sean Q, who is a sales and leadership coach who specializes in helping experts easily attract and connect with high-paying dream clients so you can have more fun and grow your business without the ick, sleaze, or sales tricks of the past. In this episode, we are talking about examining your relationship with money, the power of pivoting and starting better using a people-first sales approach, and three common sales mistakes and how to avoid them. I also want to invite you guys to check out Sean's One Client Away Challenge. If you listen to this episode and you really resonate with his sales style, um, you can click the link in the notes to check that link out and sign up for the next round. So without further ado, here's today's episode. Welcome to Wildly Aligned Marketing. I want you to be seen and heard by the people who need your message and services most, but I know that seems easier said than done because there's a lot of noise online. I'm your host, Natalie Blenkush. I built my business back in the beginning of 2018 and very quickly learned through trial and error that being yourself isn't a cheesy cliche, but actually the key to building a strong, profitable online brand. I'm on a mission to help you own your voice and consistently find and attract the right clients online so you can grow a wildly successful business doing what you love. All right, friend, grab your coffee and notebook and let's dive into today's episode. All right. Hey, Sean. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, I would love to just jump right in by letting you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So my name is Sean Q. I am a high ticket sales and leadership coach. I take all the ick, the sleaze, the non-consensual sales tricks of the past and throw them in the garbage so you can have more fun and business can be so much more easy, um, easier. I, if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it. And if it's not easy, I'm likely not to do it. So I like helping coaches make it easy and make it really fun. Yes. I love that so much. And I feel like sales, sales and marketing equally, um, are the things that people just overcomplicate. It's like, you know, it can seem like this big, heavy thing of like, Oh, I don't want to have to do this. And I'm like, why (laughs) (laughs) it can totally be fun. You know, you can make it fun and make it easy. So, um, absolutely love that. That is your mission and the heart behind what you do. Um, so we were just chatting a little bit before we hit record and we got connected, um, or I got connected with you like five years ago or so. And we were just chatting a little bit about, um, I was sharing how my journey has evolved through the past five years or so of business and you were sharing some parallels as well. And so I would love for you to just, um, give you the opportunity to share kind of how your business has evolved and why that is, because I think that, um, it's just so great when we can share like glimpses into our own journey, because I, I still find myself getting stuck in this in moments where it's like, we make decisions in business and we can easily act like, Oh my gosh, this is such a big decision, but it's like, you know, there's, there's such an evolution of business and it's really about making the right next decision. Um, so tell us a little bit about this kind of evolution that you guys have been on with your company. Yeah. So I started my business about eight years ago and it was triggered by the fact that I grew up in an incredibly impoverished part of Southern California, like 80% of the um, people living, the residents of the city was on government welfare of some type. Mm -hmm. In other words, the government stopped providing 
the uh, residents would be homeless. Um, we had a huge homeless crisis, huge high school dropout crisis, huge marital um, abuse crisis, huge divorce crisis, huge um, uh, mental health crises, huge unwanted teen pregnancy crises, huge um, drug abuse, huge crime. Like it was just insane. And growing up in that environment, I remember going to a friend's parents house or grandparents house or something that was in a really wealthy part of California. And I remember seeing these houses and they were like as big as Walmarts to me. Like what, how do people like one family lives there? That is crazy. And so coming back from that experience, I knew it doesn't have to be this way. Something can be different. Something can be changed. And I want to be a part of that. So I went on this huge, I love research. I love data. I love it. So I went on this huge research kind of journey of uncovering why is it this way in this city, but that way in that city. Uh, and what I discovered was the underlying root of almost every single issue that our city faced was poverty. And so I made a decision right then and there. I'm going to help people live a life of abundance and not just abundance of resource, although that's super important, an abundance of opportunity, an abundance of love, of an abundance of relationships, an abundance of access to healthcare and, and just a variety of things that would help them elevate themselves from that poverty. Uh, and I really began to develop this belief that every single person on the planet deserves to live a life of abundance. I mean, we mm -hmm. currently live in a reality of abundance, except our mind hasn't caught up. Let me kind of break down what that means. Uh, let's take, let's go 500 years ago, right? 500 years ago, let's take infant mortality. Uh, people would have uh, 20 kids and only two survive past infancy. Right now, you can have a lot of kids. And because of our medical practices and our medical advances, we now live in an abundance of health. So you don't have to have 20 kids in order to only have two survive. Back then, 80% of your salary went towards food. Now it's about 20 to 30%. And we have so much more money to go towards other things like fun. Back then, you couldn't have a variety or an abundance of food options, right? It was only what you could farm. Now I could go down the street and get like Chinese food and Thai food and Jamaican yeah. food <laughs> and Mexican food and a good like burrito. Oh man, I'm so hungry now. Uh, and so we have an abundance of resource and opportunities and variety and options, except our mind hasn't caught up because we have always been in a state of survival, just trying to survive. And now that we live in abundance, we have to retrain our brains to live in abundance. So I made a decision. I'm going to help people retrain their brains to recognize the abundance they already live in so they can step into it, so they can access the opportunity, so they can create opportunity. And so our mission has always been to train people to live in abundance and to really see the abundance there. Now, I grew up in church, right? I went to church like from the age of like two months old, uh, you know, and, and I just, I, I love church. I remember as a teenager, that was my favorite place to be. Um, I was bullied a lot in high school. And so going to church, we had a re we went to a really large church, like 25, 28,000 members at the church. So it was, it was massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I knew everyone, all the teens, like in, in, in like middle school, high school, I knew everyone. I was kind of like one of the popular kids at church. And then I would go to school and I'd get bullied. So it became kind of a very comforting place for me to be at. 
I ended up making a decision really early on. You know, I think I want to do what, what that guy's doing on stage. I think I want to be a pastor because he's inspiring people. He's helping people. And so I had this mentality that I was going to help people live in abundance as a pastor. That was my belief at the time. And so I started interning at that church. I went to Bible college for that church and I ended up getting hired at full time at the church as a media producer. So I would do all the stuff that you would see on the screens, all the commercials, all the digital stuff. Uh, that was kind of my job. I ran a team. It was, it was pretty awesome. And then what I discovered as I was working at this church, there was a moment where I was like editing a video or something. And just in inside, I knew I was on the wrong path. Just inside, I knew my time here was finished yeah. and that I had served well, and now it was an opportunity to do something different. And I was reminded of a dream um, and a behavior I had when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. I would take paper and I would make paper wallets and I'd sell them for a quarter to my friends so I could get like a brownie from the lunch lady. And so I was reminded of like my entrepreneurial drive and spirit. And so I said, you know what? I think I'm going to start a business. So I started a business. It was my very first business was a photography business and it totally flopped because I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember I did this wedding once and I feel so bad to this day because I got all the wrong photos and then the card like crashed and it was a mess. And I was like, okay, this is too stressful. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. So I ended up doing a different business and that one totally flopped. It was an event-driven business where I would do these inspirational events. We'd bring out like dancers and poets and artists. And then at the end, I would speak. Um, we did this thing called a night of inspiration. It was like three, three hours of inspiration. Um, at the end, I would do like this Tony Robbins motivational speaking. And it actually grew from my parents' backyard, like seven people to about uh, 500 people at our last one at mm -hmm. this local amphitheater. And it was really cool because we were making a lot of money, like $10,000 each time we do an event. And it costs like twelve dollars to $15,000 to do the event. So <laughs> we were making the money, but not really. So I was like, yeah. okay, this isn't working. Let me figure this out. And I discovered I had a really unhealthy relationship to money. Uh, and that's why I couldn't make a lot of money in my photography business. And I didn't, couldn't make a lot of money in the event-driven business. So I made a decision, you know, I'm going to really adjust this mindset, not just for an abundance of being able to support people and help people, but also with money. And I'm going to have a really healthy relationship to money because before my relationship to money was like, like money's evil, money's bad. If I make too much, I'm greedy. If I ask for too much, then I'm like a bad person. I remember growing up and my mom uh, coming home from her job and saying, I got a 10 cent raise and I was so excited. So for me, my limitation of celebrating money was 10 cents. I couldn't celebrate yeah. any more than that. So what I decided to do was really like normalize numbers and normalize money. Um, so I started like just randomly saying out loud, I charge $5,000, I charge $50,000, I charge $5 million. And I didn't know what I was charging for, but I was just getting used to the numbers because I, I wasn't used to it. And so I had to normalize the numbers and I had to get a really good relationship to money and say, you know what? Money's not going to control me. It's not going to determine how I feel. It's not going to cause arguments in my relationships. I'm going to own money instead of money owning me. I'm going to tell money what to do instead of money telling me what to do. And I really began to build that healthy relationship. And then I discovered other people have toxic relationships with money. And so I said, okay, I'm going to start a coaching business and I'm going to help people go through the same process I did and help them step into abundance, live in abundance and really build a strong relationship to money so they can ask for what they want to make. Uh, and so we started the coaching business. And when I did that, I made a decision. Who am I most comfortable serving? 
well, growing up in church, becoming a pastor, going to Bible college, that well, Christians, right? Like I'm, I'm going to work with Christians. And so I started a Christian coaching business, started a community, ended up growing to 12,000 people um, online, which was amazing. And the same thing happened. Uh, this was probably about two and a half years ago. Uh, it just kind of sank in my heart. Like, Hey, your season here is done. Like mm-hmm. you're on the wrong path now. And I said, okay, where's the next pivot? And I made a decision, you know, I am, I want to serve people because people, uh, I, I see them, I hear them, I can hug them, I can touch them. And I want to, I want them to know, I want every single person on the planet to know they can live a life of abundance, no matter what their background is, no matter what their experiences are, no matter what their perspectives are on the biggest questions life has for us. I just want to help people. Um, you know, if, if somebody's running in front of a truck, I'm not going to wait to ask, wait a minute, are you a Christian before I pull them behind the truck? Right. I'm going to get, I'm going to get them to safety. And so I am going to serve everyone and anyone. And I want love to express itself through me in every interaction I have, no matter who they are. So we made a decision about two years ago to become more inclusive. And now we work with a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds. We've since um, as a process of becoming more aligned to that message of inclusivity, mm-hmm. uh, we've sold our 12,000 person membership and that was really cool. Um, and so like we've, we've made active moves to just, just love people and support people no matter where they're at in their journey and no matter what their perspectives are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Um, especially what you said at the end, you know, like you just shifted to people first and that is biblical. Like we're supposed to love God and love people as Christians. And so, um, I love that. And so cool to hear those pivot moments too, where you would just have these moments of knowing like, okay, my time here is done. Like it is time to, to move and shift and change directions. Um, and I can definitely relate to that. Like every single time it's like, you just know you have that feeling. Um, and you know, to anyone listening, it's like, if you're in that transition, um, any transition, you're wanting to leave a job, you're wanting to go full-time in your business, whatever it is. It's like, you know, when you have that moment, you know, and you just kind of have to make that leap of faith. And, um, and it's just so cool to see kind of how that, uh, that journey plays out because it's like, you know, each, each, um, chapter of your journey serves as a stepping stone to get you to the next thing. And, um, even to kind of go back to what you said about at the time, Christian entrepreneurs, like that is just what seemed like the next best decision. Like, this is who I know, and this is who I'm going to serve. And so, um, that's something that, you know, there's so much overthinking that you can do in your business. And it's like, just go with what feels right right now. And if the time comes where that's not going to be the right thing again, you'll know, like you will have that gut feeling of like, something needs to change. I need to, you know, kind of evaluate what that is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are scared because pivots are scary. Like if we could just Mm -hmm. be honest, like it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't easy to quit my full-time job in a ministry or church where I was developing like pastoral ship or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't easy to make a shift to, you know, from my comfort zone to a place that I'm not comfortable anymore and I have to get comfortable. And yet it's in those moments where you step out of your comfort zone that you experience the most amount of growth because you have to figure things out again. Like, okay, how am, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? How am I going to approach it? What's the message going to be? And you only get better and better and better. Um, so since making those pivots, you know, we've opened up 
three additional businesses. My wife has opened up her business. Um, and what we've discovered, because I think a lot of people are afraid of starting over, of, mm-hmm. oh, if I, if I change this, then I have to start over. If I change my audience or change my message, I have to start over. And I discovered you never really start over. You always start better. You always start from a place of experience and more wisdom and more understanding and more clarity. So uh, for those of you who are listening and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I know, I need, I know, I know I need to make this pivot, make the pivot. You're going to make all the mistakes because I know I did. And guess what? You're going to get better. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I've never heard it said like that, but I love that so much starting better because it it's true. It's like, you're not starting over. You're not starting from scratch. Your square one or square zero is like way ahead of where you were before, because again, it's like stepping stones. So, um, oh, I love that so much. Um, well, let's go into, you know, you are really, um, with your sales approach, you really focus on people first, like you said, and like just being more inclusive in your business. Um, I would love to talk about that a little bit because, um, and just kind of jump into some common sales mistakes that you see people making because, um, it is something that can be overcomplicated and just built up to be this really scary thing or this really high pressure icky thing or whatever, you know, there's, there's so many things there. Um, So what are some of those common mistakes that you see coaches and entrepreneurs making around sales? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, money is, is a tool. It's Mm -hmm. in what most people miss make the mistake around when it comes to money is not really the very first thing is not really building a healthy relationship with money. I kind of touched on it a little Mm -hmm. bit before, um, we are given these beliefs and these silent assumptions about money when we're young. For me, I was told, you know, money is evil. If you have too much of it, like you're, you're a bad person, you're greedy. Um, I was told, you know, 10 cents is how much. So actually when I had my job, I was told, I, I thought 10 cents is all you can ask for. Cause that's what my mom made. So I asked for a 10 cent raise and they gave me an eight cent raise, which is crazy to think about at this point. And yet, like, I was excited about that. I was like, oh, yeah, eight more cents an hour. Uh, and so what I decided to do is, and, and what I would encourage people to do is, number one, build a healthier relationship to, to money. And a couple of activities you can do is, number one, take like a journal or a piece of paper or like a Google Doc and just write out what has your relationship to money been like so far, right? When money comes up, Does it cause stress? Does it cause tension? Maybe you're in a relationship and it causes arguments. Um, What is some of the phrases you use when it comes to money, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Don't ask about money. Don't talk about money. It's rude. Um, Keep that personal. It's personal finances. Like what are all the phrases that come up when you use, um, when you talk about money? And then when you spend money, what is the relationship that comes or what is the emotion that comes up? right? Maybe you feel like really, really excited and then you feel guilty, or maybe you feel like really resistant to spending any money. Uh, You know, one of the things I was like, I was really resistant to spend any money except for food. I would buy food all the time. Like, (laughs) let's go get some good Taco Bell. Uh, Let's just get some good food. And, um, uh, but anything else like clothing or furniture or anything like that, I was really resistant to it because they were bigger purchases. Uh, And so, Like, what's the emotion that comes up when you spend money? And then the final thing I would ask is like, as you're journaling this, ask yourself when you say numbers, what comes up, right? So I I actually want to give you an exercise to do right now. If you're listening to this on the count of three, I want you to say, I charge $25,000. 
Okay. Just whisper it to yourself. If you're like at work and like secretly listening to this, like sneaking it away from the boss, that's okay. Just whisper it to yourself. Uh, I charge $25,000. One, two, three. I charge $25,000. Now I want you to recognize the emotion that came up when you said that. Maybe you're like kind of nervous about it. And you're like, oh, I charge $25,000, <laughs> right? Like the nervous laughter. Or maybe you're like, I charge $25,000. Ah, that's not true. You know, or maybe you said it and you got really scared and there was some pressure in your chest and there was some anxiety. Well, that indicates the relationship you have to money. So the very first thing is write down all of that, journal it out, and then flip the page or open a new uh, page of your notebook. And I want you to write down all the things you want to do with money, all of the things, because here's the truth. It's never about the money. It's always about what you can do with the money. If, if I were to give you a million dollars today, sure, you'd buy all the nice stuff, right? Maybe you'd buy a boat or a nice house, but you'd also make sure your kids are taken care of. You'd probably also make sure your parents are taken care of. You'd probably donate to a church or an organization or a nonprofit that you really believe in. You'd probably be able to fund that dream that would impact the world and impact lives. And so it's never about the money and it's always about what you want to do with it. So I want you to write down, uh, when I work with my clients, I have them write down a hundred things that they want to do when they make a lot of money, write down all of them. And I can't tell you how many times it's really cool for them to go in and check it off because, okay, I have a really good relationship with money. Now I've developed a stronger relationship and I can now attract it and welcome it into my life. And so write down all the things you want to do with it. And then also write down the relationship you want to have with money, right? How do you want to feel when you're talking about money? How do you want to feel when money comes up and it's kind of like, oh, we got bills to pay right? How do you want to feel when you spend a very big, large chunk of money? Uh, if you want to feel confident, if you want to feel at peace, if you want to feel calm, write all of that down and start to really reinforce that. So that's the very first mistake I see a lot of people make is they just don't deal with their money issues and the money trauma that comes up. Um, you know, all of the past experiences they've had with money and they don't really develop a new relationship to money. Yeah. Those are such great practical exercises. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what you said about like the desire for money, like it's not, or the, you said like, it's not really about money. I remember, um, seeing a quote that was something along the lines of money is not a soul level desire. It's like what we think the money is going to provide us, right. Freedom around something, which is so true. Like, you know, I remember actually you made the comment about like, it was hard for you to spend money except on food. And actually what, what that brought to mind for me was like, I was a single parent for six years. So money was very tight and I actually had a hard time even spending money on food, but more specifically for myself, it was like, it was easy for me to buy food for my daughter. But for me, I was very like, well, I don't really need that. I'll just put it back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I remember that was something that when I started digging into my money mindset more and just even like the relationship that I wanted to have with money and the lifestyle that I wanted to live, I was like, I want to be able to go to the grocery store and not worry about how much the grocery bill is going to be like buy what we need buy, you know, a few fun things. If we see something fun and not worry about it and be like counting pennies. Um, and it, maybe that sounds silly to some people, but I feel like some other people can really relate in terms of like, if you have had that experience, um, just speaking to what you said about like these past experiences will come up for us unless we deal with them. And even when we do, you know, they'll still come up in different ways and we can kind of heal at a deeper level. 
And it's amazing to me how sneaky that stuff is. Like I can even have moments now where, you know, maybe I'm like, you know, there's strawberries in the fridge and I'm like, oh, well, I should save them for my daughter. And I'm like, no, I'm going to eat them. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to, like we can buy more strawberries if we, you know, like money is a renewable resource, which is really what it comes down to, right? Is like, yeah. um, you know, just trusting that like, yes, we have money now, but like, I can, I can spend this money because there's going to be more money coming in. Like I don't have to hold on to it so tightly. And I think a lot of that also comes from a lack of awareness of where money comes from, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up, I heard, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, but I didn't hear where it comes from. I just heard where it doesn't come from. And here's the truth. Money comes from value. If you can create value in the marketplace, guess what? You can adequately and with integrity and ethically ask for money in return, right? We work with our clients. We build them websites. We build them branding. You do this as well. Like we do a lot of things with our clients. We're adding value to their life so we can ask for money in return. Um, It's just a representation. Money is just a representation of the value we're providing. So if you're listening to this and you are a single mom, you're a single dad, you are in a, maybe you're in a relationship and just money is tight. Start asking yourself, well, what can I bring to the table where I can ask for money? I had a client who, Uh, she started off doing hair. Like she would do braids for hair. And like, she was like asking for 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. And it was just an extra amount of money that she started bringing in that she could start pouring into a savings account that she ended up like saving $10,000 that she poured into her business when she wanted to start it. And so like, ask yourself, what value do I have to bring? What skill set have I acquired? What skill set do I want to develop? Right. And that's what a, a growth mindset says. It's I, I may not have the skill set, but I can develop it. I can go watch YouTube. I can hire a coach. I can go read all the books. I can listen to the podcasts and I can get good at this. And so choose something, go get good at it. And if you're already good at it, then start providing value to the market and start asking for money in return. You'll welcome yes. it. And it'll, uh, it'll, it'll supplement a lot of the income that you may already have coming in. Yeah. Well, and that's such an empowering shift to go from like, you have the ability to create money, Mm -hmm. right? Like I've never thought about it in terms of that, that saying that I think we've all heard money doesn't grow on trees. Well, where does it come from? (laughs) Like value, you can create it, you can create money. Um, And that's very empowering if, um, you know, for anyone who's just feeling in this place of like, I'm a victim, like I am helpless to the money that I have, or, you know, certain opportunities. Um, so that's, that's a huge shift for sure. Yeah. The other mistakes that I see a lot of people make is, um, the pricing. So like, uh, you'll have something of value, you bring it to the marketplace. And most people will say, well, I don't want to charge too much. Right. Or I just want to make enough to survive or like, and so, so they underprice themselves. And what happens is they actually repel a lot of people who are serious buyers. Uh, Something I tell my clients is serious prices attract serious buyers. For example, Mm. I'm in business. Um, We do a lot of copywriting. Um, I will never hire a copywriter for anything less than $3,500, like for a project. It it just, it doesn't make any sense for me because I need to know that their price and their confidence in what they're doing is being communicated through their price. So recognize your price is communicating something. If you're undercharging, it tells me and it tells serious buyers, you don't have a lot of confidence in what you can bring to the table. Start raising your price. You'll start attracting serious buyers and they'll be like, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Where do I send the money? Um, And so recognize like you want to make sure that you're pricing yourself adequately. And my recommendation is the, the easiest thing you could do is go look at the market, go see what the average, you know, um, high ticket expert is doing. 
not like the Fiverr folks, because they're selling it for like five bucks. You don't want to sell it for five bucks. Yeah. Go look at like, okay, who are the, what are the professionals selling at? Let me price it there because if they can do it, so can I. So price your stuff at a higher price. And here's what's really cool about that is you can always negotiate down. You can always come it down. Like if you really want to work with someone, they can't afford you. Hey, I'll do a deal with you, right? Let's figure out how this will work. But at least you've priced high so you can go lower. If you start low, it's a mountain top climb. Every single time you raise your price, it's going to be a struggle raising your price every single time. So start high and then go low instead of starting low, going high. Um, and then the final thing I would say is, uh, you know, one of the other mistakes is saying your price for the first time in front of a client. Mm-hmm. If you're saying your price for the first time in front of a potential client, you're going to stutter. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to be like, it charges, um, uh, I, I mean, I cost uh, $500. And it's like a question. And you're like, like, if you're questioning your price, I'm questioning your price. And so like, are you sure it's 500 or what's going on? So you want to make sure that you are um, practicing your number, practice your price. Like I mentioned earlier, I started saying it out loud every single day. I would go to my wife and I'd say, babe, I charge 500 bucks. Babe, I charge 5,000 bucks. And I just say it over and over and over and over. So when I did get in front of a client, it, it was like a, a slip of the tongue. It just came out, right? It was so easy to just say it. And finally, like once you say it, not just saying it confidently, but holding the silence. Most people, they'll say, I charge $500 or I charge $5,000, but, but I'll work with your budget. And, and you know, if you can't afford that, I have other packages and, and, I'll, and, and all this energy of anxiety comes up and all this nervousness comes up, which gets transferred to the potential client. Mm-hmm. And guess what they're feeling now? Anxious and nervous. And you don't want them feeling, you want them to be able to make a confident purchase, not an anxious purchase. So you want to confidently say, I charge $5,000, which one, were, uh, you know, does that work for you? And then just hold the silence. Let them figure out if it works for them. Don't make a decision for them. Empower them to make a decision. If they say, I can't afford it. Okay, cool. Well, is this something you really want to do? Because I have other packages that we can explore, but let them lead instead of you controlling. That's so key. Yeah, yeah. That silence is so powerful. And I, you, you give that example. I think back to that's That's exactly what I used to do. I think back to like year one, Natalie, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like this is the price but then like you feel the need to explain yourself but it's like just holding like saying the price and then saying nothing and it's like oh okay um and and I think about I can remember the first time where I got on a sales call and I had a client that I shared the price in the package and it was just like an immediate yes painful you know highest client at the time and I was just like oh my gosh, this is a real thing. Like, it's so cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is very cool. So um, I love that. And and kind of circling back to what you said about underpricing yourself, my goodness, I feel like that for sure convicted someone just now. Like <laughs> up your prices because yeah. it it's such a counterintuitive thing. Like you think by being quote unquote affordable that you're going to get more, right? Like, I think that seems like it's the general mindset behind that is by charging less, more people can afford me. And so I will sign more clients. And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example, like a doctor, you know, if you're going to go to a doctor and they're charging 10 bucks and it's like, what medicine yeah, what are you, you doing? <laughs> are you licensed? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's got the same effect. And I think that that's something that is, um, 
often missed because it is so counterintuitive. So I'm very glad that you brought that up. Um, you mentioned negotiating a little bit. I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts on that. So how do you recommend that people go about that by like, okay, this is, you know, I'm practicing my price and I charge $5,000. I charge $10,000. Like just getting so comfortable to the point where it's like past the salt, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I charge $5,000. Um, but like in that process, so, you know, being in a conversation, being on a sales call, now you're negotiating. What do you mean when you say negotiating? Because um, I think it's really important to not uh, like with coaching specifically too. like you're there's a time exchange, right? And your time is valuable. Um, and so is your expertise. So how do you uh, go about navigating that? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I say immediately is um, if they're like, oh, I can't afford that, um, you know, you always want to ask, okay, is this something you really want to do and it's really a money issue? Or do you want to get off the call because this isn't interesting to you? And like you're, the money's kind of the excuse and that's okay too. Like, I don't want to waste your time and I definitely don't want to waste my time. Typically someone will say, no, I really want to do this. I, I honestly just, I can't afford $5,000 or $10,000. And so at that point, what I'll say is, okay, well, do you want to play with the money a little? Let's see if we can find a win-win situation. They'll say, yes, let's, I, I want to figure this out. And I'll say, great. I don't give discounts, but we can explore other packages that we have. And so instead of the $10,000 option, we have a $5,000 option where instead of doing all of all five of these things, we only do three of them. <laughs> uh, and then if you know, they say yes or no there. They say no. Okay, great. Well, uh, we have, uh, there's good news. We have another option that might be a really good option for you. And it's called our starter package. And instead of doing five things or three things, we're just going to do the one thing that you need most right now. It's going to be a thousand bucks that gets you started. And then once you start seeing results or once you're ready to for our higher packages, we'll credit that thousand dollars because we're already taking action towards one of the other things, the 5,000 or the $10,000 option, which option works for you. And so you continue to kind of go down based off of your packages. Um, when it comes to negotiation, what I really mean by that is having a menu of options. When you go to like McDonald's, you can't buy a hot dog, right? Unless they have like the special season where they're selling hot dogs. You can buy burgers, you can buy French fries, but they have it very clear. Here's what we can make you. And so as a coach, you should have it very clear. Here are the things that uh, I can offer you. Um, and here's my all-inclusive, the most transformational package. And then if that's not what you're ready for, well, let's go down and let's see what we can um, find a win-win for both of us. Yeah, yeah. I I love that business model. I have something very similar in terms of like, um, I don't know if you use the term downsell, but it's like, that's, you know, a, a really great way to approach it is like, okay, you want to work together. You truly can't afford it. This is a pressing problem that you have. So what about this? Right. And like being, I mean, I've been on both sides of that. Um, and I, I would say being on the client side where it's like, oh, I want to work with this person so bad. Yeah. Like, I just know that they're my kind of person. I just financially, like that's not doable. We've got these financial goals we're working towards, not the right decision right now. And then for them to come and say like, well, actually I've got this thousand dollar offer or five hundred dollars or whatever it is like oh my gosh yes you know so it's yeah. just um you know thinking about it from both sides it's such a win-win situation um and i feel and like also it, like yeah, with that 
Um, going back to kind of the people first mindset. So when we teach sales, what we teach is that you're not pushing a product or a program, Mm -hmm. you're helping people make the best decision for them. So sometimes that's going to be hiring you. Other times it's not going to be hiring. You're not a good fit for them. And it would be a bad decision for them to buy from you. Uh, And so what I recommend is a couple of different things. Number one, always have a referral list. So we have a group Mm -hmm. of people that we send people who aren't a good fit for us that may be a good fit for them. And we send them that way. And then we have these contracts where, hey, if I give you a client, can we get 10%? So even if I'm on a sales call and they, I don't land them as a client because we're not a good fit, but I send them somewhere else, well, they win because they found a better fit than not me that the referee wins because they got a client and I win because I get 10% still, even though I didn't make the sale, I'm still making revenue. So that's yeah. one option is build these strategic alliances is what we call them. Strategic relationship alliances. The second thing, and we actually saw, uh, we have data that shows a 48% increase in people potentially saying yes to working with you if you make a recommended program. So what we recommend is always share your highest option. Here's the best, here's the top way we work with our clients. Here's where I recommend we start though. And then make a recommendation of one of your packages based off of the conversation you've had and uncovering their problems and you know the challenges they're facing. If you make a recommended one, first present your top one, then recommend one, then you're, uh, we, we see a 48% increase in, in hearing yes, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, um, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. The, the recommendation, I feel like, um, it allows you to be an integrity, right. And you work with heart centered coaches, like that's your approach. And that is very much in, in alignment with that. Like it's saying, Hey, based on our conversation, like this is the highest level of support that I can give you. Here's my recommendation. And, you know, just being really honest, like I can think to conversations where I do recommend like, yeah, you know, this is the highest level of support. I do feel like this is the best fit for you. Honestly, other people where it's like, you know, I could support you if you want long-term support in X, Y, Z. Um, but I feel like, honestly, you might be good just doing this and then taking it and run, you know what I mean? And so it's just, it's, it allows you to show up with so much integrity, but still get the option. So I really love how you um, position that. That's excellent. Yeah, so good. I love it. And, uh, you know, it's so amazing to see people step into this, again, an abundance yeah. mindset. Uh, if, if somebody's not a good fit for me, I'm not going to fight for a bad fit client right? I'm going to fight for a dream client and let's figure out where we fit with your dream client. I want to work with you. You want to work with me. Let's find the option that works best for you. Uh, Most clients never say no. Even if they do say no, what they're really saying is why they can't say yes. So if you can help them say yes, then it's going to be an easier yes. So if somebody says, you know, I can't afford that. All right, bye. Like that doesn't work instead. All right, well, let's figure out what works best for you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's just a very, very empowering approach for sure. Um, Well, if there was one thing that you wanted listeners to take away from this conversation today, I know we covered a lot of fantastic stuff in here, but if they took away one thing from this conversation, what would you want that to be? So awesome. Okay. I'm going to give three. Okay. Okay. Number one, (laughs) just because I love over delivering. So number one, ask more. The reason most people aren't landing clients is because they're not asking enough people to become clients. So you have what you're willing to ask for. Start asking. Go get into conversations. I believe every single opportunity you'll ever have in business 
is on the other side of a conversation. So go get into conversations, go start talking to pe real people, right? Not fake people where you're sitting on a table like, I think this is the type of person I wanna work with, but go talk to real people and like go figure out what are their problems and can you help them solve those problems? If you can, then make an offer, go make more asks. So that's number one, ask more, ask more. Number two, commit, commit right now and decide that you deserve a life of abundance, that you're worthy of abundance, that you already have abundance and now it's time to step into it. And that as you step into abundance, it's not for vanity's sake, like, oh, look at me, but it's look at what I can do now that I have abundance, an abundance of resource and love and friendship and hope and money, of course. And then the last thing is put, take one thing you listened to today. One, I gave a ton of practicals, give one thing and implement it today, then send me a message. Cause I love talking to people, send me a message and say, Oh my gosh, Ron, I did this and it worked, or I did this and I tweaked it a little bit to fit me better. And it worked. I love hearing those. That would just bring a smile to my face. Yes. So good. So where do you want them to message you? Where can people connect with you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Hey, H-E-Y, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, the right way to spell Sean. Q. <laughs> at HeyShawnQ, uh, or you can go to my website, HeyShawnQ.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. This was such an incredible conversation. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks so much for listening today. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode and leave a review if you haven't already. I love hearing your takeaways and how this podcast has impacted you and your business. If you're not already in our private Facebook community, love to have you join. Head on over to Facebook and search the Wildly Aligned Marketing Group, or you can head to the show description and you'll find the link as well. I would love for you to pop in there, introduce yourself and get to know you a little bit more. All right, that's it for today. I will see you on the next episode.